Our scripture reading this morning comes from 2 Timothy chapter 4. As you're turning there, the children can be dismissed for children's church. That will happen upstairs in the chapel. We're in chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teaching to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. This is the word of the Lord. I mentioned during my prayer time the men's retreat that is coming, and uh, let me just take just a moment here before we look at the text to to say another word about that. Um, as I mentioned in the prayer time as well, I talked about the the value of the word, and I just want to again encourage the guys that are here to to try to be a part of a portion of that particular retreat. I know that Joe Rigney will will uh, center his what he shares with us in the Word, and he has a high uh, view of the Word, and it will just be a, a, a great opportunity to be together with other men in that setting. For those that have not been there, um, it's a it's a five star facility. The facility that Steve Munger offers to us free of charge is uh, located near Highmore Reheights, and it's a beautiful lodge, a beautiful setting, um, and so I, I that in itself is a wonderful gift to us. But the fact that Joe is coming to speak, let me give you a little context of of him a bit. Um, I have for years gone to the Desiring God Conference in Minneapolis, which started out with a couple of hundred pastors from all over the nation and now has morphed into several thousand pastors from all over the world come together along with church leaders now that they've opened it up to and and, and spouses as well. But it is an incredible conference, and it's been a highlight of my ministry for years to be able to get away to that conference. But this year, Joe Rigney is one of the keynote speakers at that conference. And so he, a few weeks after he gathers with us at Reheights with the, um, the men that can gather there, he will be speaking to several thousand at that conference. And that's the... The opportunity I think we have of having him come and be willing to come and share with the last couple of years we have we have had an opportunity to to get into a network of people to have come as speakers or the last we do it every two years so the last two events we've had and that just continues to be the case and so I hope I hope you will really not just dismiss it and even rearrange schedules if you have to to be a part of it whether you can come for the whole time we understand some schedules won't allow that although we would love to have you come beginning Thursday all the way through Saturday but if you can just come down for an evening or one night that kind of thing it would be well worth your time to come. This morning we're going to be back now in 2 Timothy and we're coming to the close of 2 Timothy. We're going to begin chapter 4 as you heard read this morning. And the reason that we went to 2 Timothy is a prerequisite to go to Romans because when we go to Romans, 
What we've been doing for the last several weeks is been looking at the last words of the author of Romans, the last uh, weeks of Paul's life. In fact, next week we will come to to the statement where he says, I'm being poured out as a drink offering and my time of departure has come. Paul knew that he would not escape this imprisonment, that, that he would die in this prison. And so we've been looking at those words, which I think then helps us as we move to Romans. And we will do that, Lord willing, in the middle of, of, uh, of uh, September. And really, Romans is what Paul uses his words to say, the gospel of God. It is the, the most concentrated portion of Scripture, I think, that contains the, the, the gospel of God, the good news that God has brought to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. And so, again, as I ask you this morning to pray for me as we begin to move into that, I do it with trepidation. I don't do it lightly. I want to, I want to uh, as best I can, open up that book to you over the next several weeks and months and probably um, a year or so. So pray that God will help us. This morning, we're again in chapter 4, and and most often you would hear this text used at an ordination service. Now, obviously, this is not an ordination service, but often I have attended ordination services where this text has been used for that particular event. And so... The question I have as I look at this text is how can I make this text applicable to us? How can I connect it to where you live? Because most of you are not ordained in ministry. Some of you may be pursuing that or considering that, and so certainly that would have that effect for you this morning. But but how then does it affect the broader body? How is it profitable for us? And so what I want to do this morning in order to to do that, and I do think it is, is I want to give you the four points very quickly that if I were preaching an ordination service that I would I would go to, the four things that I would stress, not not at length, but just briefly, and then take those four things and extrapolate out from those four things what I think is beneficial for you to hear when I say those things if I were to an ordination gathering together. So the four things that I see in this text that would be my outline for the ordination message would be, first of all, Paul says in this text, preach the word. I charge you in the presence of God to preach the word, to preach the revelation of God, both Old Testament, as we talked about last week, certainly Timothy, uh, knew the scriptures from his mother and his grandmother, but he also had a sense in which what Paul was speaking were the very words of God, and and the church had that as well as as, uh, time went on and formed the canon of scripture. So he would be talking, I think, to us when he says, preach the word, preach the revelation of God as we find it here in this book. And... uh, and that's exactly what I think those who are ordained to ministry are to do, to, to center their ministry on the word. The second thing, to preach it with diligence. The scripture says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Always be ready to preach the word, to preach the revelation of God, to, to declare the revelation of God, to herald the revelation of God to people. That's the second thing I would say to ordinance if they were gathered. The third thing I would say to them is interweave some things as you do it. Do it wisely. And 
the things that you would interweave in that as you preach the word in season and out of season is that part of that would be reproving, rebuking, exhorting, and it says with patience, but I think I would change that to say encouragement. So you reprove, you rebuke, you exhort, and you do it with a patience that has an encouraging note to it. There's an encouragement that we need to have as we do that. And then finally, do it even when it is not a very popular message. And that's what we find in this text when it says that uh, for the time is coming, in verse 3, when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. So do it even when it's not popular. Continue to do it. Faithfully do it. So that would be my message if I were speaking to ordinance and those that were being ordained to ministry today. So now as I take those four points, I want to extrapolate farther. I want to take it to where you're at this morning because I think we can. I think there are implications of those particular points that have direct application to you who are in the pews today. So first of all, preach the word. Preach the word. What do you need to hear in that admonition? First of all, what you need to hear is to make sure um, that the the preaching that you set under is word-driven. Whatever preaching, whatever teaching you set under or hear or, or take your time to listen to is always word-driven. It's driven by the word. The scripture says, we've said it often in this particular series, that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Therefore, if it is not word-driven, your faith won't be built up. But if it is word-driven, it will have an effect of building up your faith, strengthening your faith. So uh, to continue to extrapolate that out, what does it mean that that it be word-driven, that the preaching that you avail yourself to is word-driven. I think it means expository kind of preaching in content. And by that I mean that when you have somebody who who teaches and teaches you about Christianity, that they let it be word-driven. And and what it means to be word-driven as you take the scriptures and try to expound them in preaching is that you take and dig out the author's original intent in the text. In other words, you, you determine, seek to determine what his intent, what was he purposing to do as he wrote the words that he wrote and then make application of that to the people. But it has to flow from the word uh, to build up faith and, and it has to come from the word. And to come from the word means that it is the intent of the author. Now, expository preaching <clears throat> can take different kind of formats. Be careful not to think there's only one way to do expository preaching because the definition of expository preaching is preaching what the author's original intent and what he wrote was. Um, in other words, to, 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 to strengthen people with promises, but promises that are rooted in what they meant when they were made. What were those promises and what were they for? That kind of thing. And that can both be topical or it can be going through a book. 
Um, both of those can be expository. It doesn't mean that if, if the preaching is topical, in other words, you're speaking on a topic that it, that it need not be expository or can't be expository. It's just that whatever text you are preaching preaches that topic and, and teaches it as the word teaches. What does the word say about that topic? Marriage, for instance. What does it, what does it say? But what, what did the author say about marriage in that text? <clears throat> what was his intent? in what he was saying. So it can be topical. I, I think a steady diet of topical could get you in trouble for reasons not that it's not expository, but reasons that you tend to not have balance. You tend not to get the full counsel of the word. One of the values of going through books of the Bible, for for instance, the book of Romans, is that that you can't dodge tough text. You can't work around things that you don't want to talk about. You can't just preach your own own pet text that you like the best. But you have to take a whole, the whole counsel of the word. And so it tends then to give you and protect you from the air of imbalance. The air of imbalance. Sometimes if, if you're not careful in preaching, you can, you can preach air by preaching imbalance, by putting too much weight on one topic because it's your pet topic at the exclusion of another topic. So part of what the value, I think, of walking through books most of the time, not all of the time, but most of the time, is that it creates balance. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't times when you'll have isolated texts that you want to preach from, and that's okay as long as it's word-driven. It's, it's, you're taking the meaning of the text. You don't just wake up one morning and say, I want to preach on a certain thing, and then you tell what you think about that and kind of tag a scripture on the end of that or at the beginning of that, but never refer to it. It, it is letting the word drive it. Um, we're, we're not at liberty. We're not at liberty to invent the message. And, and expository preaching keeps us from doing that. It protects us in many, many ways when we do that. It helps us to get the full picture of the gospel, of the gospel of God, of the revelation of God to us, how God chose to redeem man, how he chose to save him. And Timothy writes that in chapter 3. If you go back to last week, it's interesting how he wrote in verse 14 where he writes these words, But as for you, speaking to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, And then it goes on to say, which are able to make you wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. The purpose of this revelation is to declare the gospel of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what this book is about. That's the central theme of this book. And so as as your preaching is word-driven, you are then showing how that is permeated throughout scriptures and making people wise to salvation. And that's what we're to do. That's, that's why it needs to be word-driven. Um, the gospel is about how God has chosen to redeem man. And, and you need to hear that. You need to be strengthened by it. The second thing that you can extrapolate out of preaching the word is that the, it, the responsibility is given to the church to propagate and protect that word. There's primary responsibility to propagate and protect that word 
is given to the church. It's given to God's church to be the dispensers of that, dispensers of that sound teaching. Verse 3, it says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but the church is to continue to do it, to propagate it and to protect that sound teaching, to guard it. The third reason that it is important for you to hear the words preach the word is that it's the message it's the message that the church is to herald. It's to be heralded by the church. This word, this word is to be heralded because again, it has to do with salvation. It has to do with, with God redeeming man. So preach, preach the word. I say to young people this morning, you, you may not always be here. We'd love to have you come back. But the truth is many of you grow up and and we plant the word in you, and you go someplace else, and probably will go someplace else. Three of my four children don't live close to me. They've gone other places. And I say to you, I say to them, it is important that when you choose to find a place to go, you find a place that is driven by the word. That That's the primary thing, that the word is central in that church. The word is central. It's, it's highly valued. In fact, one of the things that I'm realizing as we, I think, in America move more and more to a post-Christian culture, and I, I really believe that's where we're headed uh, and, and, and already are. We're in, a, we're in a culture that is post-Christian. And what, I'm, what I think is going to happen, what I, what I see happening is that what is going to draw Christians together, what is going to draw actually churches together, are not labels, are not whatever label they have on the sign out front. That's not what's going to draw them together. What's going to draw churches together are those that have a high view of the authority of Scripture. Those that believe that the church should be driven by the Word, and they have a high respect and value of that Word. Um, we may have peripheral issues. There will be some peripheral issues we'll differ on. But if we can agree on the authority of Scripture, even though we may interpret some of those peripheral issues different, that is what's going to draw the church together. That's what draws the church together in the midst of persecution, is the, the word, the value, high view of the value of the word. Uh, what happens in the midst of persecution is, if you don't have the word, you just fall off. It's people who have the word, who prosper, who, who are like that tree planted by the water, who continue on. And people who don't have the word, don't have it, that's, it's not as good. So I think the thing that will draw the church together in coming days is those that have a high view of Scripture. There's an event in your bulletin this morning that, that kind of highlights that this morning. Um, I think it's there. I, I didn't read it, but I believe we put it in. There's, there, I think it's a week from today. Don't, don't quote me on that. Look at the date in the bulletin. But a week from today, there's going to be a speaker at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Aberdeen who is speaking on the canon of Scripture, the, has a high view of the authority of Scripture. All afternoon, he, I believe, is the curator of the new museum in Washington, D.C., on the Bible, and somehow connections were made here to have him come and speak. And uh, that's, 
that's a high view of scripture. It's a, it'd be a, a, a thing that would be valuable for you to attend if you're able to do that. So the first thing is, when you hear preach the word, are those things. The second thing that I would say to ordinands is, do it with diligence. Do it with diligence. So when, when I preach to those ordinands, do it with diligence. Do it in season and out of season. What should we hear? What should we hear here? Well, I think the first thing that, uh, that we hear is that you, 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 you need a steady diet of Scripture. I mean, in, in the Scripture it says basically do it in season and out of season speaking to the one who preaches the word. In other words, what it means, do it when it's convenient and when it isn't convenient. Preach the word. Make the word central. Continue to lay the word down. Don't have gaps in it. Just do it layer upon layer upon layer when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. When it's easy to do and when it isn't easy to do, keep laying down the word. So what do you hear? I hope what you hear is I need a continual diet of the word. I need it over and over again, layer upon layer. I need to hear it often and I need to hear it much. There is something that sometimes goes on in circles that I'm in and I think probably circles that you're in. But sometimes you, you go to a conference and, uh, and you will hear people say in the conference, don't, don't, I don't want to go on a conference where they preach at me. I just want them to tell me how to do it. Don't, don't preach at me, just tell me how to do it. Be practical, tell me how to do it. That's a dangerous thing. The dangerous thing in Christianity, because we it is it is being influenced by a world that says we want instantaneous kinds of stuff. We just want something now, here, and and that is not a biblical view of Christianity. You you don't you don't give Christianity in three simple points. You you lay it layer upon layer upon layer. So the next time you go to a conference someplace, ask yourself, is this conference word-driven? Do they, in fact, preach at me? Now, again, we want preaching that is done well, but, but again, we want to be driven by the word. I told you that for years I've gone to the Desire and God conference in Minneapolis, and I remember 30-some years ago, the first one I went to, not exactly what the year it was, it was sometime in the in the 80s. But I remember going to that conference. I remember 200 of us in a sanctuary, in the, in the church sanctuary at that time, 200 pastors from all over the nation. And I didn't know who the, the, the founder of that conference was. It was John Piper at the time. I didn't know who he was. I'd never seen a picture of him. And this little short guy gets up at the beginning. I remember he walked off from that side of the platform he walked up onto the platform and he had one of those key rings remember those old kind of round key rings where the keys hung on there and they would dangle I guess maybe maybe you still have that if you do I'm sorry but uh, you understand what I mean remember those I remember he had one and he goes bouncing they just go bouncing as he walks up there and I thought who is this that's what I, th- I literally I, I said who is this it didn't take me long to find out as he got to the pulpit I still remember that he just started to read something. 
that bled Bible. He just he, he didn't he didn't tell a story. He didn't. I'm not even sure he said welcome. He just started to read something, and I thought, "Oh my, this is rich. This does this is touching me someplace inside of me, in ways that I've never been touched at a conference before." And what I found is that was a conference that led with the scriptures. It was a conference that has been the most valuable thing, as I told you a few minutes ago, of anything in my ministry. And it was word-saturated. It led with the word. Did I take things from it that I could use? Yes. But they were word-driven. It wasn't just three points. It was word-driven. Word-driven. So I say to you, it's so important that that you let layer upon layer of the word wash over you and the things that you expose yourself to you get that way that's that's why it's so important for us as pastors to do it when it's convenient and when it isn't keep doing it when it's easy and when it isn't keep laying down the word trust the word trust it trust it to build faith within people Quick fixes, that's not what it is. It's layer upon layer, precept upon precept, being driven by the word. Today, that's a good admonition in the midst of the internet. I mean, the internet's a wonderful thing. I I go to the internet often for resources, to read what other people say about text, those kinds of things. It's a valuable thing. But make sure that is word drip whatever you're reading whoever you're following whoever you're listening to is is leading with the word leading with the word and and you're getting the full orb view of the gospel so we need continual exposure that's what you need to hear when it says preach with diligence um, it's god's means of causing you to persevere it, it, one of the things that Scripture teaches is he who endures to the end will be saved. What? He who endures in faith to the end will be saved. And how is faith built in us? Faith cometh from hearing. So God has designed that faith cometh through hearing. So, so one of the things that God uses to cause us to persevere, and I believe he does, I believe he who began a good work in us will bring that work to completion, but not without means. And the means he uses is the word. The word is what he uses to cause us to persevere in faith as we hear it in season and out of season. Thirdly, the third thing, preach the word, preach it with diligence. The third point I would say if you were the ordinance is interweave four things. Reproof, rebuke, exhortation, and do it with patience or do it with encouragement is how I would translate that. So four things. Reproof, rebuke, exhortation, encouragement. I would say to you, find a body like that. Find a body and attach yourself to it, young people, as you leave here, that does all of that. That at times when you go, you feel rebuked. You feel rebuked not not by the pastor, but by the word. 
that the pastor speaks. If he's, if he's getting the text and he's getting what the author intended and, and rightfully doing that, that, that is the word that is rebuking you at times. At times you just are rebuked. At times you're reproof. Uh, you're, you're just corrected. There's, there's a correcting aspect of the word. And, and you should feel it sometimes. When the word is opened, it, it should do that to you at times. It keeps us, keeps us where we ought to be. Our, our hearts are prone to wander, the, the hymn writer said. Prone to leave the God I love. And so there's times when we need to be rebuked and reproofed. There's also times we need to be exhorted. Sometimes we get lazy. We need exhortation. We need exhortation in certain areas. We get in ruts, and so we need exhortations to pop us out of those ruts. We need exhortation. And all of that needs to have some encouragement in it. And what does, what does that look like? What does that encouragement look like in the midst of rebuke and exhortation? It's the gospel. It's, it's the, the gospel saturated that, that yes, we have hearts that are prone to wander. Yes, we have hearts that are at times sin and go places they shouldn't go. But what's the remedy? The remedy is to go back to the gospel, to go back to the gospel of God's grace. That's our hope. That's our hope. That's where we rest. That's what should encourage us to go back to the gospel. Gospel that not only forgives us, but gives us a power over sin that helps us to come against sin in our lives. That's what God is doing for us. So find a body where all of those things happen and don't run from them. Don't run away from them. Don't only go places that you you feel good when you leave. That is dangerous for your soul. If, if If you always feel good when you leave... That's probably not a good thing. Now, now, leave with hope. I think we always should leave with hope. But, but the hope comes from the gospel, <clears throat> not from always our performance, but the gospel. And then finally, preach the word even when it's not popular. More and more, that's the message that we need to declare, I think, to those who will enter ministry. It's, it's not... It's not a popular message. In many ways, it never was. The gospel, the scripture says, is an offense to the unbeliever. <clears throat> There's cultural Christianity sometimes, and some of those things have entered into. Um, I've said this before, but there was a time in America, and this is <clears throat> partly, excuse me, why I think we are moving to a post-Christian culture is because um, there was a time in America when to say you were Christian was beneficial. Politicians learned this around the Eisenhower administration. That's kind of where that started to pop up in politics. And this is no defamation of Eisenhower. In fact, Eisenhower was the first president who was baptized in office. But about that time, you started to hear, you know, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, started to find that appeal because it became beneficial. It became beneficial to be Christian in America became beneficial in the workplace to be Christian. Today, that is changing. People are more silent about those things. They, it isn't beneficial. It isn't such a good thing to have in your resume in certain places. We're moving to a culture that doesn't value it as much as it did, which may be a good thing in many ways because it will cause us to be 
be more true to it, I think, and not just tag it on as a statement at the end of something. But the scripture says to us, for a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And my, isn't that happening today? It is happening. I, 40 some years of ministry, I've watched it happen. Um, as I said in the prayer time this morning, spirituality is in, in America. It is in to be spiritual. It is not necessarily in to be Christian. But spirituality is on the upswing. It's, it's in vogue. It's just Christianity. It's not. Because the truth of the, is true. The scriptures are right. The gospel is an offense to the unbeliever because it speaks about a heart that isn't right. It speaks about sin. And people don't like that. They don't like to hear that. They don't like rebuke and reproof. They like encouragement. They just don't like it combined with rebuke and reproof and exhortation. Don't tell me what to do. People design myths. They, they make gods in their own image. They, they decide, I'll decide who God is and what he's like. They don't want to have a revelation that tells them that. They want to decide themselves because they make a God that they're comfortable with. I'm grateful for Christianity. I'm grateful a God who's revealed himself. I'm grateful for a God who has revealed himself and declares that he's holy. I'm grateful for a God who has revealed himself and declares we'll come into this right as we move into Romans, the first few chapters, that declares man is sinful. But he doesn't leave us there. He doesn't leave us there. He doesn't leave us facing a holy God in our sin. Christ came to die that we might be reconciled to God. We want the full orb picture of who God is. If you just want to make up a myth of what God's like, you can do that. You can do that. And you need to just tell yourself that's the way it is every day as often as you can because that's the only way you're going to convince yourself of that. And I hope you're right. But the truth is, the Bible says we're not. And no matter how many times we want to tell ourselves those myths, God has revealed himself in Scripture. And I'm grateful for that. I hope you're grateful for that. And that's why we need to preach the word. We need to preach this word. We need to do it with all diligence. We need to do it in the ways that are described here with rebuke and reproof and exhortation and great encouragement. And we finally need to do it even when it's not popular because it is a solid foundation for people to land in. The gospel of God gospel of God. We're going to close this morning with a song that just simply declares that gospel. And I hope this morning that you've been encouraged to to be word-driven in your life. It's interesting how this text closes. This is how he closes in verse 5. As for you, Timothy, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, Fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist, Timothy. How does he do it? By preaching the word. 
by doing it with all diligence, by doing it in the ways and the means that it talked about here, and finally doing it even when it's not popular. Because God is building his church. He's building his kingdom. And we can have confidence in that means. Let's stand together and sing. God in love became perfect man to bear my man on the cross he took today, you are a God who has spoken. Help us, Lord, to value that word, to be led by that word. Lord, I'm personally anticipating as we move into fall, as we open the book of Romans, it doesn't hide that you're holy doesn't hide that we're sinful but it shows us how you brought those two things together in the death of your son Lord help us to find great encouragement in that as we value your word and revelation in Jesus name Amen